Let us enter into this hour of worship, this time and space dedicated to all that is most worthy in this life, the depths and the heights of it all. Let us give our undivided attention to what really matters, just for a short while. Come bringing all of who you are, all your busy thoughts and big emotions, your complications and your contradictions. Rest and quiet your weak-worn spirit, for you are here to touch again eternal springs of hope and renewal. Calm your hurried, harried pace and claim this precious chance to find perspective. For this hour, let the cares and the fretfulness, the worry be set aside and forgive yourself. You are so very worthy of moving on, of making new efforts, of trying again with each new day. And know that you are not alone in all of this. There is strength and caring support for you here. There is comfort and kindness if you but ask. You are part of this community if you so choose. And you can make it what you will. So let us join our hearts together this morning as we enter into this precious hour of worship. These opening words by Carolyn Owen Toll, they welcome all those who have bravely gathered in the heat this morning for this uh, Sunday service. Welcome those who have made it to the building. Welcome to all who are joining us via Zoom far and wide. Whoever you are, however you are, wherever you are, you're welcome just as you are this morning. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackall and I'm Minister with Kensington Unitarians. In this morning's service, we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to pick up last week's heart and soul theme of contradictions. We'll be exploring the spiritual significance of embracing life's many contradictions, leaning into paradox, and attempting to get beyond the habit of either-or ways of thinking, to live in the spirit of both and. The theme of this service was originally inspired by a curious little aside in the autobiography of Richard Holloway, one time Bishop of Edinburgh, who was in the end probably far too progressive for the church he was situated in. Holloway spoke of the parable of the two tunes. Uh, it was an idea borrowed from John Saxby. It's a metaphor for liberal religion. Apparently the composer, Charles Ives, discovered as a little boy that he could hear two different tunes in his head at the same time and follow them both faithfully in parallel. Holloway says this is what liberal religious people do. They hear two tunes, the tunes of the religious tradition they grew up in or grew out of, Christianity in his case and in ours. But at the same time, he said they also listen to the best tunes of the times in which they live, the science and philosophy and ethics and struggles with human change and discovery. Living that way and being faithful to two tunes at the same time produces tension, but he says it's an honest and creative tension. And I too am drawn to this idea that listening to two tunes at once is a key feature of progressive religions like ours. So it seemed a good reason to spend an hour pondering what it might mean for us to live in the both and. There's all the preamble. Before we go any further, let's do what we often do and take a moment to check in with ourselves. Each week this moment comes around. Here we are again. Somehow we've made it to Sunday morning, whatever the week brought our way. And we each stop what we're doing, temporarily put aside our duties and distractions. We attend to what matters most in life. So let's be here now, present and together. Let's remember why we came here and honour that intention. And you'll each know what works best for you to ground yourself in the here and now. Maybe adjust your posture. Maybe pay attention to your next breath. And I'll light our chalice as I do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part.
May we light this chalice to remind us of the power and beauty of balance and contrast. The chalice flame is the meeting point, the union of the refuge, safety and beauty of darkness and the warmth, assurance and joy of light. So may this act of lighting our chalice remind us that we are stronger together in all the complexities and challenges of being in relationship because we are different and because we are one. Time for us to sing now. Our first hymn is number 172 in your green book if you're in the church. For those joining via Zoom, the words will be up on screen as usual. Sing up as best you can and feel free to stand or sit as you prefer. Number 172, all are welcome here. So let's take all of those joys and concerns, both spoken and unspoken, into an extended time of prayer now, partly based on some words by Lynn Cox. You might want to adjust your position to get more comfortable, put down anything you don't need to be holding, perhaps close your eyes or soften your gaze. Perhaps there's a posture that helps you to feel more prayerful and centred, whatever helps you get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together and be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other, and that which lies within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. We turn our full attention to you, the light within and without, as we tune into the depths of this life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. Spirit of life, God of all love, ever adapting and renewing, we come together this day with a muddle of contradictory yearnings. We yearn for stability, for even one moment of feeling like we know what's going on. For the ability to predict and prepare for what is coming next. And yet we also yearn for change. We ache for a world that turns aside from injustice, oppression and disregard for suffering. We pray for transformation in the illness grief, isolation and vulnerability of our loved ones and of all beings. 
cherish us in the eternal presence of love and encourage us on the path of growth. Help us become who we're called to be. Lead us to open pathways to deeper wisdom through respect, reconciliation and compassion. Owning and making amends for our own mistakes. Hold us in the heart of both and. Cradle us in the mystery. Move us to live in gratitude for the beauty of this world, the loving people in our lives, and this fresh day of possibility. And in a few moments of quiet now, let us take some time to pray inwardly the prayers of our own hearts, calling to mind all those souls we know to be suffering this day, whether close to home or on the other side of the world. And let us hold all these sacred beings in the light of love. let us also take time to pray for ourselves for we too are sacred beings who face our own daily struggles and muddle through life's ups and downs so let's take a moment to reflect on our own lives and ask inwardly for what we most need this day be it comfort or courage or guidance what we need to flourish And let us take just a little longer to remember the good things in life and give thanks for them. All those moments this past week when we've encountered kindness, beauty, pleasure or fun. And let us cultivate a spirit of gratitude as we recall all those moments that have lifted our spirits. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time to sing once again. Our next hymn is number 42 in your green hymn books, A Dream of Widening Love. The words will once again be up on screen. Feel free to stand or sit as you prefer. A Dream of Widening Love.
Beyond Either Or. This piece by Amy Zucker Morgenstern is an excerpt from an essay she wrote for a collection of LGBTQ plus voices in Unitarian Universalism. Amy writes on the ways in which her outlook on life as a bisexual woman resonates with her religious life as a Jewish, Buddhist, Unitarian Universalist. She writes, either or choices make me suspicious. When presented with a confident statement that two things stand on the opposite sides of an unbridgeable divide, I reflexively ask whether they are really mutually exclusive. Material and spiritual, male and female, liberal and conservative. When two things are said to be opposites, I try to ask, what category might encompass both of these? Sympathize, synthesize them into a whole. Being a both-and thinker served me well as a minister, particularly in the role of community builder. Part of my job is finding a way for opposites to dwell together in peace. And theologically, I am committed to moving beyond the choices that are often presented to us as either-or and to leading others past those unreal boundaries. I was well-trained in the habit of seeking both-and answers to either-or questions by my late teens. So when I discovered around that time that the world was not divided into heterosexual and homosexual as I'd thought, but included many people who were romantically drawn to more than one gender, I already stood on a foundation that made the fact unsurprising, easy to accept, and ultimately attractive to apply to myself. The desire to go beyond either or also brought me to Unitarian Universalism and kept me here. I had been brought up Jewish, and the stories and rituals of that faith still meant a great deal to me, even when I started searching for something else. I had found great wisdom in Buddhism and embraced much of its teaching, but neither one of those traditions was quite the right home for my spirit. And then I went to my first UU congregation and discovered a place where I could be Jewish and Buddhist and this great new, to me, thing called Unitarian Universalist and where no one would force me to choose just one. It was a religion that allowed room for each of us to keep adding new ideas, theologies, practices, and ethical perspectives, where the assumption that met such changes would not be, you can't do that, but let's see how that fits in. This was a both and religion one that had successfully challenged so many rules of society and theology and shown them to be illusions. As I learned more about my newly adopted religion, I felt more and more that this was a religion that thought the way I did, deliberately turning the false choices of either ors into the inclusivity of both ands. I'm not both and about everything. I believe there are ideas that are mutually exclusive. I believe there are actions that are incompatible with certain desired outcomes. Much of ethics is about delineating. If you choose A, then B will necessarily be excluded. For example, we can't both maintain solidarity with the poor and promote an economic system that depends on keeping people in poverty. In short, there are limits to both andness. Yet the habit of thinking that seeks to rise above false either-or choices, and give a more inclusive answer is one of the gifts we Unitarians have to offer the world. Thanks, Hannah. So we're moving into a time of meditation now. I'm going to share a few quotes connected to our theme, quotes which might be familiar to anyone who came along to Heart and Soul last week. The words will take us into about three minutes of silence, which will end with the sound of a bell. And we're going to hear some lovely music then from George to continue the meditative mood. So again, let's do what we need to do to get comfortable. You might want to put your feet on the floor to ground yourself. You might want to close your eyes. And the words are just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. Walt Whitman famously wrote, do I contradict myself? Very well then, I contradict myself. I am large, 
I contain multitudes. Cheswaf Miwash wrote, I've always regretted that I'm made of contradictions. But if contradiction is impossible to overcome, we have to accept both its ends. Maxine Hong Kingston wrote, I learned to make my mind large as the universe is large so that there is room for contradictions. Madeline Lengel wrote, when I start a new seminar, I tell my students that I will undoubtedly contradict myself and that I will mean both things. But an acceptance of contradiction is no excuse for fuzzy thinking. We do have to use our minds as far as they will take us. Yet acknowledge that they cannot take us all the way. And Barry Lopez wrote, one must live in the middle of contradiction because if all contradictions were eliminated at once, life would collapse. There are simply no definitive answers to some of the great pressing questions. You continue to live them out making your life a worthy expression of leaning into the light. So I invite you to take those thoughts on contradictions on the both and into a few minutes of silence now.
It seems to me that we don't have to look very hard to find examples of either or thinking in the world around us. It sometimes to be, seems to be the dominant mode of operation of this modern world. And it's a habit that I'm sure most of us fall into at least some of the time. When faced with a complex and confusing world, it's hardly surprising that there's a temptation to cope with it by simplifying, segregating, dividing everything up into neat categories by polarizing issues and debates, by identifying them and us. And it is very, very easy to find yourself dividing the world into goodies and baddies. This is a temptation I give into on a fairly regular basis as I think of certain politicians, their actions and attitudes. But at the same time, I'm aware that the consequences of such black and white thinking can be pretty grim. Just think of the words used many times throughout history, but most famously in our time by George W. Bush, you're either with us or against us. Think about where that sort of attitude tends to lead. Our media seems to prefer simple narratives with no ambiguity, no complexity or contradiction. And it seems likely that this preference has been to the detriment of our politics and public discourse. One non-political example that comes to mind is the way in which new scientific findings, first published in technical journals full of caution and nuanced buts and maybes, they're often blown up and reduced to eye-catching and panic-inducing headlines, screaming from the front of a certain shameless newspaper, the sort of thing, now eating toast gives you foot and mouth disease or something. Something that disregards any doubt or uncertainty that might have been there in the original. And we know, don't we, that generally speaking, life is not straightforward, it's really simple. Even though scientists are generally dealing with probabilities and data that is noisy and ambiguous, life's most pressing questions rarely admit clear answers laid out in black and white. Whether it's the scientists, the philosophers, the theologians, they're all doing their best to be rigorous and methodical, but they're all ultimately in the same boat of the rest of us poor humans trying to make sense of life. We all glean scraps of truth and insight from here and there and make the best we can of them. As I mentioned at the start of the service, Richard Holloway, quoting John Saxby, claimed that one of the defining features of us liberal religious types is the ability to hear two tunes at once. And did you say we just heard three tunes at once? I think uh, that's right. Thank, thank you. Very, very well done. By this, he means we can be conscious of two sets of ideas which seem to be equally valid and justified, which both contain valuable truths, and yet which also apparently contain contradictions. Now, some of you might already be familiar with the concept of cognitive dissonance. We all hold all sorts of ideas and beliefs about ourselves and the world. And when two of our ideas clash and a dis discrepancy within us becomes apparent, when it seems that two of our own personal beliefs contradict each other, it results in an unpleasant state of tension. That is what is known as cognitive dissonance. And because this state of cognitive dissonance, this state of tension is so psychologically intolerable, we are highly motivated to make it go away by any means at our disposal. It's um, said that in our haste to make this bad feeling go away, we're often led to exhibit quite irrational or self-defeating behavior. And one way of making it go away, an easy way out, but a way that can be ultimately very costly, is just to ditch one of the apparently contradictory beliefs in favour of the other. That is a quick fix. Or to uncritically take sides in a dispute. That's the either-or way of thinking. You can't have it both ways. They can't both be right. Something's got to give. However, as you've probably gathered by now, I'm not having that. The point of today's service is to speak up for the both and approach. There is so much in our culture that tries to suggest that either or is the only way to be. Yet it is often possible to try and resolve apparent conflicts and contradictions by taking this both and perspective, a perspective that tries to look for the bigger picture. It may well be that there is some truth, some goodness on both sides, and that we're bound to lose out in some way if we force a choice when we don't actually need to choose. In that reading by Amy Zucker Morgenstern, which Hannah read for us earlier, she claims, 
As Unitarians, we inherit a great legacy from generations of people who heard all the no's of either or thinking and responded with a both and, affirming why not. This preference for both and thinking does seem to be pretty important for Unitarians, and I suspect many of us here today might have ended up in a Unitarian community, at least in part, because of a feeling of unease with the clear-cut certainty that we tend to associate with some forms of religion, and indeed with the certainty of some of the anti-religious, uh, the so-called new atheists, Dawkins and his mates, though their shtick is not feeling quite so new these days. And as an aside, in the spirit of both andness, I should acknowledge that is a bit of a caricature of both positions, both quite fundamentalist manifestations of the religious and the atheist, there are, of course, thoughtful and non-dogmatic people on both sides. But we liberal religious types are inclined to glean wisdom from wherever it can be found. We have a particular commitment to seek connections and build bridges. And it's worth acknowledging that that is quite a hard spot to inhabit. You can end up being criticised by both people, both sides of the apparent divide. But both and is in itself a reconciling, peace-building kind of mentality. Creative tension is an unavoidable feature of both and thinking. It's not an easy state to be in, but it can keep our thoughts open and alive. It can yield new insights and possibilities. And just occasionally, it can lead to win-win situations. But it also feels really important to know, as was noted in the, the Morgenstern reading, we need to be alert to the limits of both and thinking too. We must recognize those situations where for the sake of justice, we do need to take a particular side and take action. We need to be really mindful of the pitfalls of what's called both sidesism, something we see a lot of in the news media these days, a misguided attempt at balance, or at least the appearance of balance, which can create a false equivalence between positions that are not equally deserving of credit. That is to say, to live in the spirit of both and doesn't require us to treat the opinions of, say, climate change deniers as being equally valid to the consensus of climate change scientists who have got a great weight of evidence behind their claims. Now, the both-and approach is not just about abstract ideas, political discourse, religious beliefs. It can be applied equally to our everyday experiences, our emotions, our identities. Let's think about some apparent contradictions we might experience in our emotional lives. We might love someone deeply and unreservedly, and yet in a moment we might find them utterly incomprehensible and exasperating. Both the love and the exasperation can coexist. And in my experience, they very, very frequently do. The love and the exasperation are both real and true, and they don't cancel each other out. Or we might be in the midst of deep sadness and grief, and then experience an unexpected moment of hilarity at some absurd situation. Neither one denies the reality or the sincerity of the other, they can both coexist. Life's like that. It just keeps on rolling and we won't necessarily get a chance to deal with our feelings in an orderly fashion, one at a time. Whenever we're presented with an apparently binary choice in life, you can have this or you can have that, you can be this or be that, we often can choose to look beyond the binary if we need to and ask if there are any other possibilities that don't force us into choosing one or the other. When it comes to questions of identity, it's not so much about making a choice to be neither this nor that, but about finding the words to express the underlying non-binary reality that already exists. Morgenstern spoke of her realisation that there were other possibilities beyond heterosexual and homosexual, and she identifi identified eventually as bisexual. And increasingly, we hear the voices of people who identify their gender as non-binary. That is, their identity does not fit neatly within the conventional categories of male or female. In an either-or world, these both-and identities are often marginalised or invisible. I found a piece by Angeles Arian, which is helpful on this subject. She wrote, 
In our later years, we will be rigorously challenged to transform opposition into paradox. The essential task is to allow all sides of an issue or pairs of opposites to exist in equal dignity and worth until the hidden unity is revealed. This is our initiation into the embodiment of wisdom, the entry point into spiritual maturation and personal transformation. When we shift our perspective to look beyond dualities, opposites and polarities, we can simultaneously consider many diverse options and possibilities. And in our later years, it becomes imperative to increase our capacity to hold creative tension, allowing far greater and more inclusive solutions and options to emerge. By befriending and strengthening our capacity to hold paradox, we can explore the realms of deep spiritual growth. Words by Angeles Arian. So where does that leave us? We need to find honourable ways to live with ambiguity, complexity and contradiction, to approach our finite and somewhat baffling lives with a little bit of curiosity and humility. And we need to do our best to integrate all these apparent contradictions we trip over along the way. We're never going to have it all worked out. But let's see what we can do to embrace that spirit of both and. And in that spirit, I want to conclude with an echo of the words from our meditation, which are also on the order of service if you're in the building, and along with the whole text, they're on the church website if you're joining us at home. These words from Barry Lopez, who said, one must live in the middle of contradiction, because if all contradiction were eliminated at once, life would collapse. There are simply no definitive answers to some of the great pressing questions. You just continue to live them out, making your life a worthy expression of leaning into the light. May it be so for the greater good of all. Amen. One more hymn. Our final hymn today is number 163 in the Green Books, Those Who Seek Wisdom. And the words will be up on screen. Again, stand or sit as you prefer for hymn number 163.
very stirring. Just a few announcements now then. Um, thank you to Janine for tech hosting and to Charlotte for co-hosting at home. Thanks to Hannah for reading and for greeting today. Thanks to George for lovely music. And again, thumbs up for doing your best to meet the theme, which was a quirky one. Thanks to Benj for supporting the singing. To Julia for doing coffee. Oh, she's already gone. For those of you who are here in person, please do stay afterwards uh, for a cuppa and some raspberry, raspberry Madeira cake. And also there's a big box of tomatoes. Please help yourself. I don't want to take any home. If you're online, please do hang on afterwards for a chat with Charlotte. We've got various small group activities that go on at church. Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering, takes place twice a week online. I know I talk about it every week, but this is a really good way to get to know people more deeply. Um, if you've not been to Heart and Soul before, it's never too late to join us. Uh, send me an email if you want to sign up. There's one tonight at 7 o'clock and again on Friday. And this week's theme is confidence. We'll be back here at half ten next Sunday when I'll be leading our harvest service. If you grow your own veg and you've got a quirky parsnip or a giant marrow to bring, the more the merrier. We'll have a nice table display. I encourage everyone to bring along their favourite fruit and veg, give it a day out, and um, if you do pick out a particular item of fruit and veg to bring, I encourage you to notice where it came from, where it was grown, if that information is anywhere on a sticker on a shelf, where did it come from? Um, I think that's it in terms of announcements. Everything's on the back of your order of service and in the Friday email. Please do sign up for our mailing list if you haven't already, that will keep you alert to what's going on. We very much have a life beyond Sunday morning, so I encourage you to keep in touch, look after each other, and do what you can to nurture supportive connections. So just time for our closing words and closing music. We walk this earth a brief moment in time. Amid our struggles and uncertainties, however great and small, let us continue to learn how to celebrate life in all its variety and contradiction. Let us continue to grow in our capacity to love ourselves and one another. And let us continue to move towards the goal of a better world, a global community of peace, justice, joy and liberation for all. Go forth this day in a renewed spirit of courage and hope and with the wisdom you need to greet the days to come. Amen. Thank you.